This is Alex from the future. I just got done recording this awesome episode with Mac, and I just want to say a couple things. First of all, it was an amazing discussion with a lot of awesome content. I definitely recommend listening. However, it's a little bit chaotic. Mac has COVID, and uh, this is definitely one of our more explicit episodes. But like I said, I completely recommend it. When else are you going to get to hear such an interesting person talk about such interesting projects? So, enjoy! Welcome to the Venley Expert Talks, where we aim to inspire Web3 builders with great stories from great minds. I'm your host, Alexandra Ahrens, and I'd like to remind you that you can always reach out to us on Twitter, Discord, or LinkedIn with ideas for the podcast and questions for our guests. What happened? Sorry, okay. Welcome to episode 30 of the Venley Expert Talks. Today I am joined by Mac Flavel, the brain behind Crypto Kitties and the Big Head Club, and also responsible for a portion of Dapper Labs. And he's here to talk with me about his five tips for building success in Web3. So thank you for taking the time, Mac. Thank you for making room for me to take the time. <laughs> Anytime. Good. Um, yeah, if we can start out with your background in life, crypto, and everything like that. Yeah. Um, I got fired from virtually every minimum wage job in existence. Uh, certainly, like, I've been fired from more jobs than most human beings will ever have in their life. And I was walking through my house one time. And I said, I just want to make video games. And a friend who was sitting on the couch said, well, then why don't you go to video game school? And my mind blew out the back of my head. And I was like, that's a thing? And I thought about it. And I was like, I guess it is. Like, somebody has to make those video games I play. So I got, uh, I went from having, like, literally dozens and dozens and dozens of minimum wage jobs to working in video games. And then... Uh, startups, I found startups, and between those two things, I ended up working with a friend of mine, Roham, at a company called Axiom Zen that him and his brother Sam started, and I did a bunch of different shit for them, I helped them do recruiting and all sorts of crazy things, I introduced them to their first employee and that kind of thing, and then eventually, I got really into VR, and so I had... I wrote a blog post called VR was going to change the world the day before Facebook bought Oculus for $2 billion, whatever it was. I was like, I'm fucking prophetic. This is amazing. <laughs> uh, it didn't change the world, but I felt very, like, very full of Delphi. Yeah, no, I know. I, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. And it's true. Why you say people like, no, no, this shit is going to change the world, just like on a timeline that I don't have the patience for. I'm not fucking sitting around waiting for this. Uh, so. Anyhow, Roham actually at the time was like, okay, we're going to buy your VR boutique media business. There's a fancy ass way to say I had a newsletter, but Roham was very good at that kind of thing, at framing. Mm -hmm. The best introductions I've ever got in my life were Roham introducing me to people. I would read what he said and I'd be like, holy fuck, that person is amazing. That person is me. And unbelievably, that is all true. 
Like he didn't even make shit up. He just made you feel really, really good about what was true about yourself. That's magic, man. That guy is magic. Uh, anyhow, I went to work with him at Axiom Zen. I brought over my hammer and tusk, which was a cool name for a VR thing. Because in um, Alice in Wonderland, the mm-hmm. oysters get taken out of the sea by the carpenter and the walrus. And the tools mm-hmm. by which they possess the minds of the children are the hammer and the tusk, the carpenter and the walrus. Yeah, I love the poetry in there. Uh, yeah, I went and worked very with her. Um, yeah, it was very particular. I wouldn't tell anybody where I got a name from for a long ass time. It was like the most hipster name mm-hmm. I could find, and we got a good hipster logo and all that shit. Uh, <laughs> but when I went and worked for him, actually, when I worked for even when I started working with him, he was like, okay, like you have this interesting little media property built around this. What other kind of technology stacks did you build this around? Like, what other interesting technologies emerge you? How about blockchain? I remember being like, fuck no, that's a stupid idea. And then a couple of years later, we were building a lot of apps and consumer apps. And he was like, hey, man, it's time for you to make the blockchain fun. I was like, hey, man, no, it's not. That's a fucking dumb idea. Nobody likes the blockchain. It's for like anarchists and libertarian mouth breathing neck beard pieces of shit. And uh, I was loosely right at the time at least. <laughs> And uh, he was like, yeah, but shut the fuck up and do your job, you know? And I was like, hmm, probably should, because I do like my job a great deal. And so I did. And uh, I had been wanting to make a gardening game for, like, at least 10 years, where you, like, plant seeds, and then birds come, mm-hmm. and butterflies, and you're, like, collecting bird song. I wake up to the sound of birds every morning, and I'm really compelled by that. Yeah, it is. It's like, it's, yeah, it's, I haven't made that game yet. But that mattered to me. And mm-hmm. at the time, at all the consumer apps, there was this premise that I had, which was, it sounds like I'm kidding, but I wasn't. And it was that you should not explain why you use cats. You should explain why you don't use cats. They're opt-out, not opt-in. It's like, if you're going to build a startup and you're not in San Francisco, that's fine. But you have to explain why you are not in San Francisco. And like, there are many valid reasons, but you must explain why. Default to Yes. Notice I'm not in San Francisco or anything. This is not hero mm-hmm. worship for that city. It's just the nature of that business. And mm-hmm. the nature of building consumer apps is you should include cats. And I'd finally seen CryptoPunks. And I really like Wonder Woman. And I saw CryptoPunk that looked like Wonder Woman. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm about to go spend $35 on a fucking JPEG because that's embarrassing, but I will. And so I went and bought a $35 CryptoPunk, which I still own. Uh, And so anyhow, those three things, I went back to work and I was like, guys, we're going to make cats fuck to mine Bitcoin. That's like obviously what we have to do now. And the team were like, I have no idea what you're talking about at all. That doesn't (laughs) actually make any sense. Uh, And Dieter, who's the CTO over there, Mm -hmm. he he said no, but, you know, um, if, if... I slash we wrote a new, I being Dieter, not me. Uh, He said, if I write a new proposal for the Ethereum consortium, we can get a new standard implemented on this programmable blockchain. And then you would have cats fuck because you will have non-fungible tokens. Mm -hmm. I was like, sure, man. I don't understand what any of those words meant, but I just want the cats fuck for the Bitcoin. And that's where CryptoKitties came from. Uh, And so that's how I got into crypto. And that's mm-hmm. where 
721 standard comes from. Obviously, we did not invent NFTs. On the other hand, most of the JPEG empires that exist in this world are a direct consequence of the cat fucking. Oh, and then that blew up, right? It became a big deal. And so we started a new company. Ram came to me and was like, hey, you're going to be the co-founder and the chief creative officer on this one. I was like, sure, man. Let's do it. Super cool. Let's do it. Yeah, sounds like a good time. Uh, And so we went and raised a little bit of money. And then we made a thing called Cheese Wizards, which nobody remembers, but it's fucking awesome. No, it wasn't. It was almost awesome. It wasn't awesome at all, but it was almost awesome. Based on Highlander, the second greatest show ever made behind Murder, She Wrote. What up, JB? And uh, then I went to New York with my friend Katie, and uh, we walked in the NBA's office, and we're like, like, we just made a lot of fucking money on Pink Cat's fucking on the blockchain, and you had Steph Curry and LeBron James sitting on the bench. What are you doing? And they were like, I don't know, but can we do it with you? And we're like, yeah, man, that'd be cool. And so we signed Top Shot, and we made Top Shot, and then I left Dapper, and then I went back to making video games, because that's what I do. And then I started Big Head, and that is my story of crypto and NFTs and such. Great, detailed, wonderful <laughs> trail through that. Okay. <laughs> and when did you start Big Head Club? That was definitely more recent. Uh, that was in like January of 2021. Okay. I called mm-hmm. my boss who, uh, I called my boss at the gaming company and I, January 2021, like you remember, this was 18 months ago. Everything was fucking crazy, like crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. And my boss, a man who I like a great deal, is an asshole. But I quite like him. And and when push comes to shove and things are hard, he's been there for me. Uh, I've known him for a long time. And um, he fucking hates crypto. And he hates crypto with the, like, fuck you money of an old white man. Where, like, he'll stop your mother's funeral to let you know how dumb crypto is if it happens to come up. He just he has a need to express that you're dumb for liking crypto. And in January of last year, he called me and he's like, what the fuck is an NFT? It's like, oh, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. So I spent like 90 minutes talking about it. And when I'd started that job, like I said, I've known him for 10 years. I sold him my first company. And when I started that job, he was like, I'm going to give you a job, but like, I know you and you can't just go chase the next shiny thing. I'm going to build part of this business around you. It's important you stick around. And I'm like, yeah, man, I just moved out to the country. I live in a swamp. I'm like Shrek. I have a beautiful wife. I have two fucking kids that make a lot of noise. I got a dog that looks like a fucking donkey. Like it looks like the little black donkey. And I just sit in the woods in the swamp cursing and farting and shit. And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, no, I'm good. Like I'm Shrek and I'm going to ride this one out, man. And he's like, okay. So that was fine. But then six months later, I was having this call with him and I said, I won't quit because I told you I won't. And like my word means something. That's just how I do my shit. But um, you could fire me and invest in my new business. That would be super cool. And he was like, shut the fuck up. Like, you're an asshole. I told you not to quit. And NFTs are stupid and crypto stupid. Da, da, da. And then the next day I called him again. And by the time I was done, he was like, you're a fucking piece of shit. But here's your first check. Go start this business. And I was like, yeah. That's where Big Head came from. And then I called John Howard, who's a very good friend of mine, and I've known for a long time. And I was like, I knew some sort of interesting people, to be honest. Like, 
from the crypto kitty cycle there's like some celebrity adjacent people i know and that kind of thing and mm -hmm. some of them were calling me and they were like oh my god make nfts and i called my friend john because i call him some regularly and i was like yeah i think i'm gonna like try and change artist life with like nfts or something he said oh that's what i'm gonna spend the year doing too i was like that's cool my first one is going to be with like a Grammy award winning rapper. He's like, oh shit, can I come fuck with you? And I'm like, yeah, man, like, let's fucking go. And, uh, and then my sister in law, who I've, I mean, I've been married to my wife for like 22 years or something. Uh, so my sister in law has been trying to fuck with my businesses for a long time. And as soon as she heard us starting this one, she called me and she's like, you're not fucking getting away from me on this one. Like, we're doing this together. And I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> And so the three of us started Big Head, and then we ended up making Stoner Cats and making Ghostbusters and making Oni Ronan. Last week we did art by a guy named String Bean, an artist named String Bean, which someday the world's going to talk about, and it'll be funny when they do. Uh, I'm telling you. Uh, and yeah, we're exploring the future. We're trying to figure out what we want to be when we grow up. I think what's probably pretty interesting is NFT communities playing together. Like we'll making, we'll keep making some collections because. Mm, that's fun and interesting. We'll continue to take care of anybody who's ever collected money, one of our NFTs because that is our mandate. But the future probably looks like NFC communities playing together. That's the missing piece here. Like a uh, <laughs> digital room full of fucking mouth breathers yelling, Dev, do something when moon is not a community. It is the state of what most NFT purchasing groups of people look like these days. That's fine. It's, it's not particularly interesting for anybody. Uh, and it's not the future. And what we're interested in doing is, like, crafting what that future might look like. All right. I um, ramble, sorry. No, it's good. Lots of, <laughs> lots of, yeah, rambling is probably a good word for it. But it's fun. It's interesting. Um, so it's probably like picking your favorite child, but what is your favorite project you've worked on so far? Only running. It's not like picking my favorite child. I got two children. I'd have trouble picking my favorite. Uh, <laughs> but these ones, no, it's only running. Um, okay. Stoner Cats is amazing. Stoner Cats is like, um, somebody said to me, it's like farts to hearts humor. That's really it. Like, it is fart jokes. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, a bunch of, it's stoner comedy. It's literally called Stoner Cats. And it's also fucking touching. Like, it's about a woman who's coming to terms with um, dementia and losing her mind. And it's really done very poignantly. And it's like, oh, man, that's fuck. It's heavy. But it's, but it's also hilarious. And they're like, you know, that's obviously really neat to be a part of. And I fucking love Ghostbusters. And the fact that we got to be involved with bringing Minipuff to the blockchain rules. We also created one of the craziest mechanics I've ever seen. Like, like one reason that we are rethinking some of the celebrity work is because people miss the stake. They're looking at the sizzle. And you're like, no, no, that's like some goddamn Wagyu shit under there, you know? Like, eat that. That is delicious. And people, yeah, but look at the sizzle. It's not, it's not good. The Ghostbusters... We didn't get to see the movie before we made the NFTs, but we're talking to Jason and Gil, guys who wrote and directed the movie, and they're like, do you like the State Puff Marshmallow Man? Fuck, of course I love the State Puff Marshmallow Man. I'm from the 80s, man. Like, what kind of stupid-ass question is that? And they're like, okay, but there's many ones, and they're going to this movie, and we're like, oh my god, that's so fucking cool. And then they said they are, they travel in packs, like there's a mob of them. And they are super playful, and they are really, really sadistic. Uh, and we're like, okay, we can we can work with that. Like that's weird. 
And so then we watched a couple of clips of them and we're like, okay, how do you bring that into NFTs? We're trying to push the industry forward, push the medium forward, like expand the possibilities of the technology. Remember that started with cat fucking. Like we don't take ourselves too seriously, but also we like to do work that uh, has consequence. So I have COVID, by the way. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so these ghosts, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're like, okay, if you own a mini puff and that's in your wallet, then we made 500 more mini puffs called the mob and they will travel around from one wallet to another only if you own a mini puff. So now you have a new NFT visiting you and it's got like a fancy background and it's different, but you can only capture it if you have a ghost trap NFT, which we gave out to our community for free. And so then they take turns watching each other's wallets, looking to see the mob moving through it, and then messaging each other and being like, oh, my God, you have a – and it only lasts for, like, 40 minutes because it's, like, 250 blocks. And I always tell people I am the kitty part of CryptoKitties, not the crypto. So I have no fucking idea why the Solidity contract allows us to only leave an NFT in your wallet for 250 blocks. But that is a thing. And so this mob roams around the Ethereum blockchain, and it still is. It's almost done, but they're still out there visiting the wallets of people who own that's cool ass weird shit but still your question was what's my favorite and it's on your own and of course like the legacy of crypto kitties is fucking incredible one of my favorite things i've ever worked on is dr seuss because i fucking hail the god and you know that's really really cool i don't think any of the dr seuss work i did ever made it to market but susan who runs dr seuss and me dapper used to call each other and have a good ass time scheming on the future uh and susan is one of the most like inspiring impressive people i've ever met uh and i should call her uh yeah but but oni ronin is oni ronin is unlike anything else oni ronin is like um you buy the nft and we made this bravery mechanic which is really crazy and like yes you can take your oni ronin to the trial of ascension and see if you have one of the 88 golden ronin in it you probably don't but we have real haiku written by real samurai on their death like 800 years ago well from 800 to 700 800 to 100 years ago we have history lessons, we have flower arranging lessons, we have meditation classes, we have haiku lessons, we have Japanese language lessons, and you unlock all of that shit by buying one of these Oni Ronin, and if you collect all the custom Oni so when you send an Oni to the Trial of Ascension, you get to hear it's like literally accurate historical samurai written out loud. These samurai were written by real samurai, these haiku were written by real samurai when they were dying a lot of years. But most people don't get a golden Ronin. They just get one of the Fallen. And in order to make the Fallen slightly less boring, we made 10 different shades of Fallen. So you can have a blue dead one or a red dead one or a pink dead one or whatever. If you collect all 10 of those and send it to roninhell.eth, then the artist behind Oni Ronin will make you a custom Ronin. I call you and I'm like, what do you love? And then we go get custom demonic samurai made for you. Seven people on Earth have done this so far. And I've seen only two of the customs so far, and they're fucking crazy. Somebody said strawberries. So we have a strawberry. I don't know if you've seen the Oni Ronin, but they look like, like, fuck you, heavy metal, hardcore mm -hmm. fantasy shit. And somebody's like, can you make strawberries and that? We're like, of course we can. Of course we can. <laughs> and so yeah, I just saw that last night, and I'm like, woo, Lance, you're crazy, man. But it looks good. It's, it's cool. Awesome. So I like this cool. collection. And, and, oh, the comic we're making is fucking badass. Like, 
It's very interesting to me, this, this like, Japanese history. Also, not otaku weeboing this shit and fucking up, like, just some dumb honky who goes stomping on some other people's shit and doesn't, like, respect the traditions and the history of the people, right? Not interested in doing that. So, um, we got this, like, 84-page comic made. And the whole thing about Oni Ronin is that anything that takes place in reality is historically accurate. We we literally have like cement samurai. We have fucking weird ass shit. Once they enter the Onium realm, and we got like these kitsune coming with Venus flytrap tails and robot heads and like all sorts of dirty shit. But all of that is the Oni realm, realm, the fantasy realm. When it's in real life, we are very very historically accurate. That's like important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we got this comic written by Japanese people in Japan about Japanese history and it's really fucking cool. You're learning about like Nobunga's nephews and all of that and then once the hero dies, spoiler alert, the hero dies and he turns into Oni, oh man, it all busts out like it gets crazy but having this super cool comic and I think I just secured a pretty neat publishing deal with one of my like childhood heroes and uh, so I really love Oni Ronin that was once again a rambling answer to your question. <laughs> No, great. You definitely put across your love for it, so it's good. All right, we better jump into your tips, though. Can you tell me your first tip for success? Um, I think I probably can tell you. I think that something like design for degens when launching, aim for the tipping point, and then have a plan for muggles. Right. I wrote these down, so I'm reading what I wrote to myself. Mm -hmm. Tip one. Design for the degens when launching, aim for the tipping point, but then have a plan for muggles. The the world has changed, right? Five years mm-hmm. is a very long time in crypto. But one of the lessons from CryptoKitties was we made a bunch of choices specifically for degens. We didn't call them degens at the time. That word wasn't a thing. But we made choices for people who loved Ethereum. And one of the... Most obvious, but I just like to bring it up as like a effigy of the larger series of choices we made, was we priced things in ETH. That is still done on every major NFT platform, marketplace, blah, blah, blah. blah. There might be a US dollar price as well, or something else, but it's probably US dollars. Mm-hmm. Pricing. We did that. We did a bunch of shit that were like, very, very, and God, if you challenged me to name more, I'd have some trouble. But I used to have a better list of all the decisions we made where when there was a fork in the woods and you could go left or right and left was for the degen, we went for the degen. We did a bunch of shit that made this really, really blockchain native. And the reason that worked out for us is because that enabled these maniacs with their piles of internet monopoly money to come spend it. So... This plotting of a tipping point is like, we didn't do this on purpose. There's lots of things that we just stumbled through lucky, but I was here in this, I'm now at my parents' house. I live at my parents' house. I didn't live here at the time, but I was visiting them and I was walking up the stairs at the end of the hall and um, I got a text message that was like, you just sold a $30,000 cat. Now today that doesn't sound that crazy because like we've done all, you know, it's been mm-hmm. the last five years, but at the time, nothing like this had ever, ever happened. This was fucking ludicrous. Was, the idea that somebody spent $30,000 on one of our cartoon cats so that they could fuck another cartoon cat to make a third cartoon cat was absolutely preposterous. Uh, 
And, but they did. And then like within, I think 24 hours, somebody spent a hundred thousand dollars on the cat. And this was just truly like, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know anything. What we did know is that every major press outlet on earth called at that point. So we formed that tipping point where you're like, if, if so many people had bought these things for a hundred dollars each, nobody would have cared. But you sell one for a hundred thousand dollars each. When you hit that tipping point, you hit that milestone, it like rings the bell and the fucking maniacs come out. And so designing yourself to have that kind of story and, and making it easy for people, like taking the payments, uh, well, obviously we took them in ETH, but price in ETH and these other choices we made. Now, to be clear, we did a bunch of really cool shit like everybody at the time, this libertarian, you know, I, I lean on the bit, but th- there was some strong propensity to some counterculture perspectives, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody thought they were fucking Neo in the Matrix. And like blockchain websites reflected that shit. The whole red pill, blue pill thing hadn't got totally out of control yet, but like, oh, I can see the matrix and my website is vertical green fucking monofont text. And we made a pink ass website. It was like, it was like pastel pink. Nobody in blockchain ever done anything like that. So on the one hand, I mean, I'm contradicting myself. We made a bunch of choices for the, and they weren't NFT people because NFT people didn't exist, but for the Ethereum people, for the neckbeards, we made a bunch of choices to make this something that they could respect, something that was like technically interesting if you looked under the hood, something that was designed in such a way. We made mistakes, like the art wasn't on chain, but we also understood the mistakes that we made. And for the most part, we didn't make those mistakes. Anyhow, designing for the people who can do this, the people who are already in, is is really was really useful and helpful to us. And I think that's loosely probably the same today, right? If you can go convince a bunch of people to buy the first NFT, or you can convince the apes to buy a shit, you should convince the apes to buy a shit. Everybody else will come if the apes really snap up your shit. So I think that rule is probably still applicable. Okay. Boom. And then what was the third part of that tip? Have a, a plan for the rest? Have a plan for the muggles. Yeah, um... When they finally show up, what are you going to do about it? Uh, you know, muggles don't do magic. So muggles in this expression means like, right, the people who don't uh, blockchain or whatever. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just that like getting those first people, getting the people who are degens, getting the people who are obsessed with your stuff. No, obsessed with the industry who you want to be obsessed with your stuff. Getting them in is like getting to the roller coaster, the top of the first hill. But then once you let go, it's got to go somewhere. You got to have some plan for how all these normies are going to show up and like enjoy your shit. And we never did that with CryptoKitties. We didn't figure that out. And like, when was the last time you bought a CryptoKitty? You know, that story sort of speaks for itself about not having that plan sorted out. Uh, I don't know if there ever was a plausible plan. Like we could have long philosophical debates about what could have worked for making the muggle stick around for that. But the, the consequence, I mean, maybe the answer was we had Topshop after that. That was our plan for the muggles. It's not a direct one-to-one translation because they had to switch chains. But, you know, that what I would say. I would say, like, design for the DGENs. But everybody knows that's not mainstream success. You ain't going to be the next Walt Disney if you have 6,000 people willing to spend 100000 fucking dollars on your apes. That's not Disney-esque. Uh and some of the blockchain people I talk to love to point out to me that there will never be another Walt Disney. And I like that. That's true. 
Mad Dog Jones is a big artist in this space. I said something with the next Da Vinci. And he's like, there's no fucking Da Vinci. He said, that was an elephant. Now we are bees. There are thousands of bees. That is the future of art. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> fucking cool. Uh, yeah, and like everybody has an audience, right? I met this guy named uh, Noah in L.A. And I had a crazy time in L.A. I went and met some of like, some like people you've heard of. And mm-hmm. the only one that anybody else gave a fuck about was this guy named Noah. And I was like, who the fuck is Noah? Like, I don't know who Noah is. He's young. He's pretty. That's all I got. Looked him up on the internet. He had 36 million fucking followers on TikTok. I like, you know, that makes Ashley Kutcher look like an emerging star. That is some bonkers (laughs) fucking numbers. That's crazy shit. Uh, But he's still not the Da Vinci of what he does. We now live in an era where there's so much signal that the noise to signal ratio means that even if you thought you were an elephant, like Da Vinci's shit was not seen by 36 million people in his lifetime. Uh, But there will never be another Da Vinci. There's no more elephants. There's only bees. Some of them are some big ass bees, but they're still bees. Hmm. Okay. All right. (laughs) Tip two. Aim for wild transparency. They will find out. Tell them when there's no gun pointed at your head. Uh, the recent lesson of this is Azuki, right? Azuki guy was trying to hide that he was involved in these earlier projects, which is too bad for him. It's too bad for those projects, too. Uh, there's no point in hiding things in this space. Like, you have you have a bunch of people with significant financial incentive um, in success, poking around at your shit. It's going to come up. We, so with CryptoKitties, and I, have, I haven't, I've never figured out like, you know, the fish can't smell the water or whatever. I've never been able to figure out uh, how much of my blockchain indoctrination is fact versus just from the school of Dieter. I was raised in the school of Dieter. That's where I learned all of this. So I don't know how much of my opinions are tainted by just like, you know, the fact that he had a bad morning one time or something, but, or a good morning. Uh, but we, we took some shit really seriously. Like you should not fuck with what is on chain. You, once, once something is on chain, it's supposed to be there forever. And these idea that you would just like pull down your contract and update it. That felt like sacrilege to us. We left the option open because this is smart software design. You don't assume that you're smart enough to get it right the first time. So we wrote a contract essentially with a pause button. But we also put a string on that pause button. And we did pull it down. And then we paused, paused it, pulled it down, fixed something, put it back up. And I think and hope we eventually pulled the string off the contract so that anybody who looked could be like, oh, yeah, no, like this is true decentralization. They can't even change this anymore. Um, but the first thing was art. We got like... We fucked up some art versus the metadata. And now I see collections do it all the time. Now collections are like semi-permanently changing their metadata, being like, oh, no, 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 no. We spelt blue wrong. I would have fucking died if we had spelt blue wrong on CryptoKitties. By the time we made it, like, the last year, yeah, I fucking, I mislabeled a trait in the metadata, and I freaked out, and I was having a fit. And I think I called Jordan from behind Doodles, and I was like, what am I going to do? It's like, change it, man. Like, no, but Dieter told me, like, you can never change the metadata. This is a printing error. Oh, my God. And Dieter was like, relax, dude. Change the metadata. It's going to cost you some gas. You're done. And that was really, really hard for me to accept. But 
in the beginning, we also tried to not, like the first time we fixed something on CryptoKitties, we tried not to tell anybody about it. And we got caught. <laughs> Uh, just, just fucking tell people about the shit you're gonna do. You're gonna fuck it up. And like, if the people that you've sold your NFT to cannot make room for the mistakes that you're going to make, you should sort that out very quickly. Get them out of your community and keep people in who understand the humanity of your own journey through all of this. Uh, don't fucking lie to people. In NFTs, on blockchain, when there's a bunch of money involved, they care. They're gonna find out. They're gonna fuck you. Tip three. You're not smart enough to get it all right. Design flexibility into your systems. And you'll hear me talk a lot about how, like, what I've learned from Dieter. Dieter and Roham and me, we're the co-founders of Dapper, and those two are brilliant. Those two are amazing for very different reasons. Uh, both, like, punch way above their weight IQ-wise, or, like, are way smarter than me. Neither one is as fun, though. Uh, and really, like, what are we optimizing for? But um, we we designed for flexibility. So with CryptoKitties, there were 32 genes uh, possible in each category. Like now we call them attributes and subcategories. And when we launched, we had no idea what all of them would be or how we would use them. We, we essentially like, it's like building a building and putting in some extra rooms and somebody's like, oh, is that the nursery or is that the pantry? And you're like, I don't know. What I do know is we plan on being here for a long ass time and we ain't smart enough to have perfect clarity on the future. So I think it makes sense to build an extra room. Maybe it's going to be your shitty boyfriend who's going to move in there. Maybe we're going to have a kid. Maybe your goddamn mother-in-law. Whatever it is, like, you could imagine that there's going to be room a need for room in our home in the future. Uh, designing the smart contracts and all this Web3 stuff in a similar way, like like things are changing so fast. There's absolutely no way you got it all right. Whoever the fuck you are, however smart you are, you didn't get it all right. And so designing flexibility into your system so that like to manage your own stupidity and that of the other people you're going to work with is a really, really good idea. That takes different shapes depending on what kind of system you are designing, but like uh, flexibility as a principle in the joints, right? I live in um, near Vancouver, BC. I told you that before we turned on the thing. There's not a single thing built out of brick around here. There's nothing old around here. Everything is less than 100 years old. It's the anti-Europe in that way. And it's really neat in some ways. It's really feels temporary and boring in some ways because nothing is old. Um, but everything is made out of wood that bends in earthquakes because we like earthquakes can fuck up our shit. And so we have soft wood. That's like, I feel like too many people are building software out of and NFTs and web three, blah, 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 out of um, cinder blocks, not cedar. And, and cedar is a good tool for an unpredictable future. Something that is a little bit soft in the joints. Uh, so, like I said, the practical example was we said in CryptoKitties, okay, we're going to have 32 traits and we don't know what they all do. Oh, and then, like, let me just put a point on that. We didn't tell anybody about them. This is not the transparency thing from before because there's no negative consequence to the user for this. There's no, like, gotcha in this. But it was just 
pretend we're in an action movie and pretend at the end of the action movie the bad guy's standing over the good guy he's like I'm gonna fucking get you and then the good guy had a gun in the what do you call that the ankle holster nobody knew about it but you you designed flexibility into your defense against the bad guy system you need an ankle holster gun and you don't fucking tell people about it Uh, and in the case of CryptoKitties that was like extra slots in the gene arrangement so that one one because like we just didn't have time to design everything before we started shipping things. Unlike everybody else in crypto at the time, we at least built something, right? Everybody else was doing ICOs and trying to get you to give them money for their bullshit, being like, in the future, we will do a thing. Whereas we built a functioning fucking dApp called the CryptoKitties, three smart contracts wrapped together in a beautiful website. Uh, But like I said, we also had things where we're like, huh. Another way to think of it is pressure release valves. How, if you are engineering a system, um, a system by sort of any definition of any system will have pressure moving through the system. Typically, that's the point of a system is having something like an energy move from one side to the other, and energy can form pressure. And if you design the perfect system, then you don't need pressure release valves. But if you design the perfect system, why the fuck are you listening to me? You know? Tip four, noobs are expensive. Tread carefully. Uh, customer support is really, really expensive. Like it's, um, it's a human problem still after we launched crypto kitties, we didn't expect it to go quite like it did. And so, uh, I somehow ended up with my email on the, like, do you have a problem? Press this button button. The support. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was my personal inbox. RIP my personal inbox. It was not. It was not a good thing. Now, as I watched thousands of emails come in and just sat there and like wept semi-openly and was like, oh, uh, I saw one of my hero's names go by and I clicked on that one. I was like, Elan Lee? The Elan Lee? Oh my God. And I emailed him. I was like, can I talk to you about this? And then I got to talk to a guy that I really, really looked up to. And so that was kind of fun and cool. But uh, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is noobs are expensive. Mm. I think Dapper with the basketball thing, I heard some horror stories about how they had to manage wild, wild, wild customer demands. But it's like, um, you don't look old enough to remember the dial up days of internet, but there was a I time. Do, but thank you. <laughs> wow. Um, you age very gracefully. <laughs> uh, in the dial up days of internet, it was kind of frustrating, like waiting for that. And um, that was okay because you didn't spend a million dollars on gas. You just waited. And when you were done, it was so that you could go read like the Crow fan fiction or something. It wasn't so that you could go sell an NFT for $100,000. And so um, like Okay, App Store VR blockchain. App Store VR NFTs. App Store started, it was a closed App Store before they took the gates off and let third-party developers build inside the App Store. And you had millions of people using the App Store before you open up the App Store to the world. It was a battle-tested system brought to life by corporate America with only as much openness as they could very, very carefully control. And there's lots of reasons to 
applaud or criticize that decision, but it worked really fucking well. Um, VR came out, and VR was crazy because people like me loved it, and a bunch of um, very, very well-funded VCs and corporations and other things were all like, oh my god, this is the future. This is fucking amazing. Let's throw billions and billions and billions of dollars at this. Didn't really work for people still. Like, the number of people who love VR is numbered very small. Again, no money to be lost, right? You 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 buy the VR game or app, either download for free in the old days, or now you spend 30 bucks on it, and if you don't like it, you're like, oh, that was a cheap night at the bar, and I'm not doing that again, but, like, whatever. I have a bigger problem tomorrow. Uh, not with these fucking NFTs. The NFTs go wrong, and, like... Somebody just lost a fucking car worth of value overnight because of the, the whatever it is. So it's a very different time, uh, and there's a lot of money involved. And back to the rambling, bambling, not working of the early days of the internet, it didn't matter. Whereas now, it really, really, really matters. And um, onboarding people is hard and expensive and onboarding people when there's this much at stake is really, really hard and expensive and everybody really cares and everybody really needs to figure out this shit. And in, you know, that app ecosystem, millions of people were using the software before any sort of, um, openness was brought to that ecosystem. Whereas we have started with a decentralized open ecosystem we have a bunch of god-awful UX that doesn't make any fucking sense. MetaMask has improved dramatically, but it's still hard to fucking use. Still trying to explain to people, no, no, you're just holding the keys on your gold wallet. It's not, the NFT is not there, but just to the thing so that you can get to the NFTs, which are still on the blockchain. None of this makes any sense. None of this is easy. And so onboarding people to this is really fucking expensive. And if there's a reason to do that, if you're like Starbucks and you want to own the loyalty program of the future and you think that's powered through NFTs, then maybe it's worth the cost. But if you're a cute little non-project doing fucking, you know, the bearded goat ladies or whatever your cool little PFP project is going to be, you don't want to... I mean, if you're like actually going to a non-rug people, then you don't give a fuck. But if you're not a shitlord in that regard, then it's really expensive. And just like if you can choose to either sell things... The apes will be shitty online, right? They will go and, like, give you a bunch of shit on Twitter, but they know more about NFTs than you do. And so choose your poison. I would personally prefer that poison than onboarding new people for the most part. Good. (laughs) Tip five, your group of NFT owners are not a community. So here is my measure of a community. Tuna casserole. In your time of hardship, do they bring you tuna casserole? Because that's what, like, little old ladies of the Midwest do when your shit is fucked up. When your mom dies and you're, like, in, I don't know, a place in the Midwest and your neighbors hear that your mom died, they bring you enough food that there isn't room in your freezer and you sure as fuck aren't going to be cooking for X period of time because the community rallied around you. That is what a community is. And people who all own the same NFT, over 90% because they thought the price would go up. That's what they're here for. Do you have a community of people that you collectively own stock with? No. 
If you have a financial advisor, you don't know who else your financial advisor is financial advising. You don't get together on Discord and be like, hey, how's Sharon doing? Man, her financial advising sure is top fucking part these days. <laughs> now, if you're not buying NFTs as financial instruments, then maybe this doesn't apply to you. But 90% of people buying NFTs are. To be clear, Big Head Club NFTs are not investments. Do not buy Big Head Club NFTs as investments. This is not an investment. I repeat, this is not an investment. Having cleared that up, for the rest of you buying NFTs as financial instruments, the thing that you do on Discord afterwards is not a community. While the price goes up, you are all very nice to each other. And while the price goes down, you ignore each other and or are shitty to each other. This is not a community. This is like, that's, that's just a group of people with an aligned financial incentive planning on spending a short period of time together. Uh, and so I like... I look forward to a world where we all recognize that. One of the things I've come to realize to be true in my life is when my words and my actions align, it creates a minimal surface area for chaos. It is the path of least resistance. I can move through the raindrops. We are living in this world where we talk about community to describe this thing that is very much not a community. And that's... It will be easier for all of us when we're like honest with ourselves about what we're doing. And there are amazing communities in NFTs. Um, I'm having trouble naming too many of them. The Get Club is pretty fun. I'll be honest. But like these people go take yoga lessons with each other and do Japanese history lessons with each other and participate in drawing contests together and do a bunch of weird ass shit that maybe happen in other communities as well. Uh, but yeah, I think I think people need to be realistic about what their community is, right? When when it stopped being really 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 easy to make a lot of money playing Crypto Kitties, everybody stopped playing Crypto Kitties. The people who didn't are now rich. The people who didn't and who stuck around are Jordan and are Jimmy and are Duck and are Cat Curious. And these are monsters of the modern NFT space. They've all done incredible things. Uh, but they've stuck through more than one winter. They stuck around when I didn't stick around. They stuck around and love this shit and are like about it. Uh, but And those people, by the way, probably make up a pretty good community. When Jordan needs a thing, I don't know if him and Jimmy like each other, but when they need a thing, they can call upon each other uh, because they've been through so much shit together. That is what a community has done. And when the going got tough, the tough did not get going. We were like, okay, well, we're going to watch all of our bags dissolve to nothing. And we still ain't fucking going anywhere. And we'll still like hang out together on Discord. And now you brought yourself some digital ass tuna casserole. I was a little cyclical. So number five group of NFT owners and not a community is like a 50-50 thing. <laughs> if I followed that, it's uh, most of the time, if you're in it for the money, not a community, but it can be built. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Just wanted to make sure I was on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. That seems reasonable. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, really solid five tips. Uh, which of those do you think was the hardest for you to learn? This, mm. mm. like, the nature of community thing. Okay. It sucks. It, we all want to pretend that, like, the people who are really happy on Mint Day are are like genuinely happy for 
us and for the project and for the success and everything. You know, there's like, as we all know, we tend to forget there's human beings on the other side of all of these keyboards. So, uh, I, uh, there's a woman named Bo Ren who I like a lot. And Bo Ren said one time, there are some people who are better at being online than they are in real life. And there's some people who are better at being in real life than they are online. And I only met one person who's exactly the same in all contexts, and it's Mac. And that was like the highest compliment. I heard that. I was like, Bo, I fucking love you, man. That's amazing. Bo Ren. <laughs> uh, but I wear my heart on my sleeve. And and there's lots of things that's awesome about that, and there's lots of reasons that serves me very well, and blah, blah, blah. It also means that I am uh, very sensitive to the needs of the community and to the to the the state of the community. If this group of people who, in some capacity, look up to you or expect great things of you, uh, all think you're an asshole, it sucks. It sucks. It hurts my feelings. Like the, the, and that's not just a one to many system. Like that is a group thing. Uh, you know, like when we watched Stoner Cats, there was a lot of people that were really pissed about gas prices and this kind of thing, that kind of thing. We did not have a community a month after we launched Stoner Cats. Now, a year later, we have a much smaller, much cooler, active community. They show up and ask how each other are doing and play with each other on the weekends in this digital space and are learning each other's kids' names. I'm like, oh. That's really fucking cool. And that's like, that warms the heart when I like it. But learning these lessons about like, because you made them rich does not mean that they love you. <laughs> that's, that's a thing. That's a thing. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so kind of wrapping it up here, is there anything you want to plug or... Uh, check out onironin.io the new website will be live by the time you see this it is the most beautiful website in NFTs the the educational content unlocks is crazy super fun the comics coming and they have the best art in NFTs in 2021 and I ain't seen anything in 2022 that beats it either it's not for everybody it's like it's not it's not a doodle I fucking love doodles I own doodles I bought doodles on day one but <laughs> onironin is not doodles but you should check it out. Maybe you will love it. And if you do, you should get one because it's, it's been a pretty neat ride so far. Awesome. Perfect. And uh, who should we have on Venley Expert Talks next? Mm, I don't know. I have to think about it. I have to think about it. I have to All think right. about it. All right. I, I, just, I always tell people to go talk to Jordan from Doodles. But like, yeah, he was talking to Jordan. Everybody. But I'm trying to think of even better ones too. Okay. Cool. We'll come back to you on that. Okay. Have Perfect. fun. All right. Don't hang up. <laughs> I figured All that right. was the thing. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. And uh, it was a very interesting conversation. And yeah, I hope one day I get to meet you in person and feel this energy full. <laughs> See you in Munich. 